Random Ransomware News Episode 8 Bleeping Computer Rights Lock that Ransomware Now Encrypts Windows Domains Using Group Policies A new version of the LockBit 2.0 ransomware has been found that automates the encryption of a Windows domain using Active Directory Group Policies. The LockBit Ransomware Operation, launched in September 2019, as a ransomware-as-a-service, where threat actors are recruited to breach networks and encrypt devices. In return, the recruited affiliates earn 70-80% of a ransom payment, and the LockBit developers keep the rest. Over the years, the ransomware operation has been very active, with a representative of the gang promoting the activity and providing support on hacking forums. After ransomware topics were banned on hacking forums, LockBit began promoting the new LockBit 2.0 ransomware-as-a-service operation on their data leak site. Included with the new version of LockBit are numerous advanced features, with two of them outlined below. Uses Group Policy Update to Encrypt Network LockBit 2.0 promotes a long list of features with many used by other ransomware operations in the past. However, one promoted feature stuck out, where the developers claimed to have automated the ransomware distribution throughout a Windows domain without the need for scripts. When threat actors breach a network and finally gain control of the domain controller, they utilize third-party software to deploy scripts that disable antivirus and then execute the ransomware on the machines on the network. In samples of the LockBit 2.0 ransomware discovered by Malwarehunter team and analyzed by Bleeping Computer and Vitali Kremes, the threat actors have automated this process so that the ransomware distributes itself throughout a domain when executed on a domain controller. When executed, the ransomware will create new group policies on the domain controller that are then pushed out to every device on the network. These policies disable Microsoft Defender's real-time protection alerts, submitting samples to Microsoft, and default actions when detecting malicious files, as shown below. Other group policies are created, including one to create a scheduled task on Windows devices that launch the ransomware executable. The ransomware will then run the following command to push the group policy update to all of the machines in the Windows domain. Kremis told Bleeping Computer that during this process, the ransomware will also use Windows Active Directory APIs to perform LDAP queries against the domain controller's ADS to get a list of computers. Using this list, the ransomware executable will be copied to each device's desktop and the scheduled task configured by group policies will launch the ransomware using the UAC bypass below. As the ransomware will be executed using a UAC bypass, the program will run silently in the background without any outward alert on the device being encrypted. WH Neil Mount Locker had previously used Windows Active Directory APIs to perform LDAP queries. This is the first time we have seen a ransomware automate the distribution of the malware via group policies. This is the first ransomware operation to automate this process and it allows a threat actor to disable Microsoft Defender and execute the ransomware on the entire network with a single command Kremes told Bleeping Computer. A new version of the LockBit 2.0 ransomware has been found that automates the interaction and subsequent encryption of a Windows domain using Active Directory group policies. The malware added a novel approach of interacting with Active Directory propagating ransomware to local domains as well as built an updating global policy with antivirus disable making pentester operations easier for new malware operators. LockBit 2.0 Print Bombs Network Printers LockBit 2.0 also includes a feature previously used by the Egra ransomware operation that print bombs the ransom note to all networked printers. When the ransomware has finished encrypting a device, 
It will repeatedly print the ransom note to any connected network printers to get the victim's attention, as shown below. In an Egregor attack against retail giant Senkacid, this feature caused ransom notes to shoot out of receipt printers after they conducted the attack. Data breached today, writes Abba's Locker Ransomware Gang Recruiting Affiliates Partners. A recently discovered ransomware as a service gang dubbed Abba's Locker is recruiting affiliates and partners, including pen testers and access brokers on darknet forums, according to the security firm Malwarebytes. The gang behind the Abba's Locker ransomware variant was identified by independent security researcher Akesh Krishnan in June. The gang apparently has targeted smaller law firms and freight, logistics and real estate companies in the US, the UK and parts of Europe over the last several months, Krishnan and other researchers note. See also, live webinar, improve cloud threat detection and response using the MITRE and CK framework. Earlier this month, the Ava's Locker Gang apparently launched a ransomware attack against Geneva, Ohio, a city of 6,200, according to WKYC, an NBC affiliate in Cleveland. There isn't much to know about Ava's Locker at this point. They are very new, so they haven't had a lot of success. Their biggest success so far has been Geneva, Ohio, says Alan Liska, an intelligence analyst with Recorded Futures Computer Security Incident Response Team. They are still trying to recruit affiliates, but I am not sure there has been much uptake there. They are definitely worth continuing to monitor. A recent report from incident response firm Coveware found that the average ransom paid by ransomware victims dropped by 38% in the second quarter of this year. Compared to the first quarter see ransomware, average ransom payment drops to $137,000, period. Dark. T. Advertisements. The Malwarebytes researchers first encountered Ava's Locker this month, following an attack on a Microsoft Exchange email server of an unnamed victim. The gang appears to have used a vulnerable domain controller to gain a foothold in the server to deploy the ransomware, according to the report. Following the incident, the researcher began tracking Ava's Locker on various cybercriminal forums and discovered advertisements by the group seeking others to join its operation or serve as affiliates, the report notes. They announced a recruitment for pen testers with Active Directory network experience and access brokers, which suggests that they want to cooperate with people who have remote access to hacked infrastructure, according to Malwarebytes. The researchers also found the gang advertising its crypto-locking malware as a multi-thread ransomware variant written in the C++ programming language. For affiliates, the group offers data hosting and helps to negotiate the ransom, the report notes. They offer not only the malware, but also help in managing the communication with the victim and hosting of the data stolen during the operation according to Malwarebytes. Technical details. Malwarebytes says Abba's locker ransomware is run manually by the attackers who try to remotely access a device or network. For this reason, it is not trying to be stealthy during its run. In default mode, it works as a console application reporting details about its progress on screen, the security firm says. If the initial attack is successful, the ransomware first maps the accessible drives by listing all the files. Certain files are then selected for encryption depending on their extensions, according to the research report. The Malwarebytes report says the operators behind the ransomware identify encrypted files with a dot, Ava's extension, which is appended to the original file name. While the content is unreadable at the end, we find a base64 encoded block added. We can assume that this base64 encoded data contains RSA-protected AS key that was used for encrypting this file. Each attack directory has a ransom note dropped in it. Name get your files back text, the researchers note. 
The ransomware operators also tell victims that the ransom amount will increase if a deadline is not met, and the attackers will attempt to blackmail the victim by threatening to dox them. To prove authenticity, victims are shown a website dubbed press releases that appears to contain the blackmail details. Malwarebytes Labs writes SonicWall warns users of imminent ransomware campaign. SonicWall has issued an urgent security notice warning users of unpatched end-of-life, EOLSR and SMA8, X remote access devices that they have been made aware of an imminent ransomware campaign using stolen credentials. The exploitation targets a known vulnerability that has been patched in newer versions of Sonic Wall firmware. In addition to T, he noticed posted to its website, Sonic Wall sent out an email to anyone using SMA and SRA devices, urging them to disconnect specific devices. See below under mitigation immediately. Sonic Wall. Sonic Wall is a company that specializes in securing networks. It sells a range of internet appliances primarily directed at content control and network security, including devices providing services for network firewalls, unified threat management UTM, virtual private networks, VPNs, and anti-spam for email. Devices at risk. The devices that the security notice mentions are running 8x versions of the firmware. Because these versions have reached their end of life they are unpatched. The notice mentions by type. Secure Mobile Access, SMA100 Series. Older Secure Remote Access, SRA Series. A life cycle table for these products can be found here. Vulnerability. In its report, SonicWall reports that ransomware attacks are being launched against these products using a known vulnerability in the 8X firmware. This vulnerability has been patched in the later 9X and 10X firmware versions. It describes continuing to use its end-of-life products or 8X firmware as an active security risk and at imminent risk of a targeted ransomware attack. It is unclear which ransomware variant was caught targeting these devices, but last month NCC Group's incident response team observed a new variant of the five hands. Ransomware using an externally facing Sonic Wall VPN appliance is the initial access vector. Mitigation. The notice mentions the following products along with recommended actions. SRA 4600 1600 EOL 2019. Disconnect immediately and reset passwords. SRA 4200 1200 EOL 2016. Disconnect immediately and reset passwords. SSL VPN. 2002000400 left parenthesis EOL 2013/2014 disconnect immediately and reset passwords SMA 400/200 update to 1020734900010 immediately reset passwords and enable MFA SMA 2104105000v actively supported update from where to 900 1028 SV or later, or to 1020734 SV or later. Additionally, users are advised to immediately reset all credentials associated with SMA or SRA devices, as well as any other devices or systems that use the same credentials. After Malwarebytes Labs published this story, SonicWall released the following public statement. This exploitation targets a long-known vulnerability that was patched in newer versions of firmware released in early 2021. SonicWall immediately and repeatedly contacted impacted organizations of mitigation steps and update guidance. Even though the footprint of impacted or unpatched devices is relatively small, SonicWall continues to strongly advise organizations to patch supported devices or decommission security appliances that are no longer supported, especially as it receives updated intelligence about emerging threats.
The continued use of unpatched firmware or end-of-life devices, regardless of vendor, is an active security risk. As is often the C. ASE, there is no rocket science here, just security bread and butter. That doesn't mean that doing security is easy, but it does show the importance of staying on top of some basics, using any product that's out of support and unable or unlikely to get security updates is security risk that only gets worse over time. Using out-of-date software or firmware with known security vulnerabilities is similarly risky and, as ever, it's wise you use multi-factor authentication, MFA wherever you can. Security devices is a way in. In the continuous wave of ransomware attacks you may have noticed a trend where the software and devices that are designed to keep you safe are being used to establish the opposite. This year we have seen Pulse secure vulnerabilities exploited in the wild, CISA warnings about successful attacks targeting a number of years-old vulnerabilities, and the colossal Cassia supply chain attack, among others. Even when this may seem ironic, it does make sense. Cybercriminals will obviously use any available entrance into their target's network, and defenses that control in and outbound traffic like VPNs, firewalls, and routers are attractive, privileged targets that users are often reluctant to bring down for maintenance. Vulnerabilities in these systems are golden opportunities for cybercriminals, so it shouldn't need any explanation why it is imperative to patch or remove such vulnerable devices as soon as possible. Financial management writes best practice to limit ransomware damage. Ransomware attacks have become the world's most pervasive cyber threat, with severe consequences in 2021 for businesses ranging from one of the world's largest meatpacking companies to the pipeline that provides much of the fuel for the eastern U.S. The problems are worsened by the growing practice amongst attackers of extracting companies' confidential data and storing it away before locking up a victim's network. Victims that balk at paying the ransom are then threatened not only with being unable to access their data and systems but also with sitting by helplessly while their confidential files are released to the world and rivals. Ransomware is now becoming a concept of double extortion, said Allison Davis Ward, CPA, a partner with Capintech a division of Cap'n Kraus LLP headquartered in Indianapolis, Indiana. The implications of not having the controls in place to recover from it and prevent it are hugely impactful. Ward said the risks from ransomware attacks are spurring companies to beef up their cyber resilience, which she describes as the combination of prevention and detection controls that give companies the ability to quickly recover. Having management understand that is really the first step because they will be able to support IT in your cybersecurity group, Ward said. With so many cybercriminals concluding that computer crime does pay businesses are under more pressure than ever to stay alert. Wah. Tease more. The problem seems to be getting worse. IBM Corp. recently said that ransomware has become the worst malware threat for businesses, representing 23% of the attacks in their sample. For example, an attack that hit hundreds of businesses during the July 4th holiday weekend in the U.S. made a supply chain intrusion through software provided by Cassia Limited. The attack was the latest in a series of reminders of the growing risks from ransomware. The global average cost to remediate a ransomware attack in 2020 was $761,106, according to a report by British IT security company Sophos. Organizations need to continue evaluating the true nature of the risk of a ransomware attack, said Stephen Arsillo Jr., CPA CITP, CGMA a partner with Cherry Bickert LLP in West Warwick, Rhode Island. The evaluation should start with a look at an organization's overall governance plan for its cybersecurity and then proceed to an examination of how computer networks and individual systems are protected from outside attacks.
organizations then need to look at the vulnerabilities in their technology supply chains and how they can respond to the weaknesses. In addition, organizations need to assume that they are currently under attack and that an adversary has already breached the perimeter. They should have the systems and controls in place to identify any anomalies or indicators of compromise as attackers attempt to move laterally within the environment. Having a well-defined incident response plan will also be a key driver for successful recovery. Businesses should also educate their staffs about the risks from phishing attacks. The access point of these attacks is invariably through some degree of social engineering or phishing email, said Brian Lord, CEO of London-based cybersecurity consulting firm Protection Group International Limited. It's always the case. The perpetrators of ransomware attacks are very agile in the way in which they deploy the campaigns, and they're looking for new and emerging ways to get in, Ursulo said. The hacker's resourcefulness means businesses must regularly review their information security environment, where data enters the systems, where and how it's processed, and where the data goes. Lord advised businesses to start securing their networks by reviewing their information technology or architecture, and then determining the systems that are the most valuable and in need of the most sophisticated protection. The next step consists of ensuring that there is a rigorous patching regime to ensure that updates from providers are quickly applied. You need to apply security updates to anything and everything you have tied to the internet, Ward said. Lord said that each time a vulnerability becomes known, through research or an attack, vendors are fairly quick in writing the updates and patches to their software to close the vulnerability that was exploited. Delayed patching leaves an open door for attackers. Quick patching forces attackers to find new vulnerabilities. Lord advised companies to focus their security efforts on their most valuable systems and data and not try to build massive, impenetrable barriers around every server and program. You identify the critical systems or critical data and you start protecting those incredibly well, Lord said, explaining that in most cases, the more difficult a company makes it for a hacker to attack its systems, the more likely it is that the hacker will give up and move its focus to another network. Other than specifically targeted attacks, most cybercriminals are opportunists. If they find an organization difficult to breach, they will move on, Lord said, in reference to hackers' efforts to breach individual networks. Cybercriminals have the entire world as their targets. There are enough unprotected unpatched victims to exploit. The first time mainstream cybercriminals come across a company which has actually got some decent protection in place, it becomes too much hard work, and they will go somewhere else, Lord said. Ward said that contracting out a portion of an IT network to a third party doesn't relieve executives and partners of the responsibility for supervising their systems. You have to take ownership and responsibility of managing that relationship and ensuring they're doing what they need to do, Ward said. Ursulo said businesses must understand how hackers can raid their systems, and he recommended that businesses make sure they've thought through their security architecture and require users to log on with multi-factor authentication with least privilege access control policies. In addition, businesses must do more than rely strictly on the defenses to their network's perimeters, and must also review their threat detection software. They then need to assess how they can retrieve data that's been targeted in the attack and determine if they can retrieve it independently of the systems the attackers locked. Lord said that critical data and systems should be backed up, protected, and segregated so that if a company's production systems are disabled by a ransomware attack, the company can continue to operate. Hackers have become more sophisticated over the years and have learned how to encrypt non-segregated, backed up data as well as the live production systems. 
Ward said businesses are being advised to configure backup systems to ensure they are segmented properly from their production environment, or air-gapped, as an extra measure of protection. That type of configuration will stop the attackers from blocking access to the backup data the same time they shut down the production network. The reality is it's a matter of when, not if. A business will be hit by a ransomware attack, Ward said. No industry is safe. We've seen time and time again that every industry can be targeted, so it's important for you to make the investment so that you can put yo yourself in a position to minimize the impact of an attack. Arguably one of the most difficult challenges any victim of a ransomware attack has to confront is whether it should pay the ransom. Law enforcement agencies such as the U.S. Federal Bureau of Investigation and some of its foreign counterparts advise against it. In October 2020, the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control issued an advisory that said victims of ransomware attacks could themselves have a legal liability if it's determined that the ransom they paid wins up being used for criminal activity. Lord said that while that was a correct principle, any organization that has been hit still needs the freedom to make the decision that fits its situation. The challenge for management and directors, should the company's leadership decide to pay, is to have a sound justification for their decision that can be presented to the general public, customers, suppliers, shareholders, and regulators. Lord said, we also ensure that our clients' leadership tests this aspect of incident response and scenario-based exercises because the first time an organization considers the complexity of such issues sh shouldn't be when it's happening for real against a ticking clock. CPO Magazine writes Cassia decryption key discovered after our evil ransomware gang disappearance. After the breach of remote management software company Cassia and the thousands of clients downstream from it by our evil ransomware, the perpetrators disappeared abruptly leaving many victims in the lurch. Good news has arrived as Cassia appears to have received a decryption key nearly three weeks into the attack. Cassia won't say exactly how it came by the decryption key, save that it came from a third party, but it is actively working to get in touch with customers impacted by the ransomware and thus far has not heard of any issues with its use to unlock systems. Cassia decryption key solves rough situation for thousands of businesses. The Cassia ransomware attack struck at a particularly inopportune time, just ahead of a long July 4th weekend in the United States when IT staff would be heading off duty for at least three days, compromising the company's VSA service, used in turn by many managed service providers who in turn have a high degree of access to their individual business clients, the Orevil ransomware quickly spread to tens of thousands of businesses. The situation became even worse on July 13th, as our evil suddenly pulled up stakes and disappeared entirely from the web. Hardly a strange move for a ransomware gang that pulls off such a major and damaging heist. But they generally finish conducting their business and collecting their money before vanishing. The Orevil ransomware group shut down all of its dark web points of contact, including its happy blog, and stopped communicating with victims right in the middle of negotiations to make payments and unlock systems, leaving many companies in tea. He lurch. It is still unclear why the R Evil ransomware group disappeared, but Cassia now finds itself with the universal decryption key in its hands. How it got there has been left to speculation. Cassia may have paid a sum to R Evil for it, or the gang may have been breached by either the US or Russian governments. There is also the possibility that the hackers reformed their criminal ways and are trying to make amends, though that seems to be by far the most remote scenario of the bunch. The company had been seeking $70 million from Cassia to undo all the damage, and the firm would not confirm or deny that it had paid a ransom to obtain the decryption key. 
independent cybersecurity firm Emsisoft has verified that the decryption key works and will restore systems hit by the R-Evil ransomware. This likely comes too late for some of the victims, who were given a time limit to pay up or see their data destroyed. But those that were negotiating with R-Evil when the group disappeared will be quite happy to hear the news. Cassia is directly reaching out to its impacted customers and has teams ready to work with them on remediation. Did government forces get to the R-Evil ransomware gang? Given that companies generally want to keep ransom payments out of the news as much as possible, and that Cassia would not deny that it made a payment, the most likely explanation is that it made some sort of arrangement to get hold of the R-Evil ransomware decryption key. While government involvement in obtaining the decryption key is less likely, it may have played a role in negotiations and in the total disappearance of the R-Evil ransomware presence from the criminal underground. While neither government promised any sort of action in response to the Cassia attack, our evil is thought to be based in Russia, and the Biden administration has said that it expects the Russian government to begin acting against these sorts of groups. The administration has also put hacking back on the table, when it feels a foreign government is being uncooperative, even when it might involve attacking a server in Russia or another foreign country. Our evil may have been more inclined to make a steep reduction of its initial asking price given that the heat has been turned up on it. But unless arrests are announced by one government or another, this is most likely not the end of the perpetrators behind the R-Evil ransomware. The group has already broken up and reformed once, starting out as Gan Crab and racking up a claim $2 billion in high-profile attacks from 2018 to 2019. Gan Crab ended with a formal shutdown in which the members claimed they were enjoying a well-earned retirement, but they would resurface in about a year as R-Evil. Ransomware gangs often take breaks of some months and reform under a new name or split into new smaller groups after they draw a considerable amount of public attention. For this reason, organizations that have been hit by our evil ransomware should expect that any exfiltrated data is still out there and may be put to use in the future in phishing and business email compromise attempts, just to name a couple of common possibilities. Eric Cron, security awareness advocate at NoB4 Notes, even with the release of the Universal Decryptor, organizations that had data exfiltrated as part of the ransomware infection, a common occurrence with our evil and modern ransomware, still have to deal with the impact of a data breach and all that entails. For regulated industries, this could be very costly. This should be used as a lesson for organizations of all sizes, hopefully resulting in better protections within organizations and MSPs alike. Whenever an organization trusts external entities with the keys to their kingdom, they are undertaking a serious risk. Likewise, when MSPs are given this access, it is imperative that they aggressively protect their customers. For organizations that have been taken down by ransomware due to the lack of backups, or if their backups were encrypted, leaving them vulnerable, this is a great time to have some hard discussions with their service providers in an effort to eliminate the threat in the future. Becker's Hospital Review writes, should ransomware payments be banned? The decision to pay a ransom to hackers falls on the organization that has become victim of an attack. But as ransomware attacks rise so have concerns and calls for a ban on payments to try to prevent them from occurring. In a July 26th op-ed published in Techstream, Tara Wheeler and Kieran Martin explore the possibility of banning companies from paying hackers ransoms. The ransomware model currently works in favor of the criminal, but will banning payments outright reverse this imbalance of incentives? The co-authors ask. Six insights. There are no incentives for criminals, who mostly reside in Russia, to hold back from orchestrating attacks, Ms. Wheeler and Mr. Martin wrote. President Joe Biden is working to address the lack of consequences for cybercriminals in nation states, 
and recently asked Russian President Vladimir Putin to stop sheltering criminality. Insurance models incentivize paying criminals instead of having strong security in place to prevent an attack, the co-authors wrote. The U.S. has tax incentives that favor paying ransoms. Companies can write off ransomware payments as ordinary, necessary and reasonable expenses on their profit, and law statements like their pencils or Friday lunches, they wrote. There is not enough support for rapidly processing and helping critical infrastructure of companies when they are under attack. One example of this, the co-authors wrote, is the U.S. healthcare industry. When a U.S. hospital gets hacked and patient care is put at risk, few disagree that it's a national security issue, but the hospital's response is left up to its private sector leaders. Their duty in this lonely, desperate situate ion is to get the hospital back online. It is not their job to consider the public interest implications of payment, Ms. Wheeler, and Mr. Martin wrote, so they pay and while ransomware inevitably follows. The problem is that there is no mechanism to consider the collective public interest. Without addressing the incentive issues, a ban on ransomware payments will do nothing, the co-authors wrote. Taking away small and medium-sized businesses' choice to pay ransoms is unequal in enforcement, as the system will negatively affect these sized companies, the co-authors claimed. Even if ransomware payments were banned, it is also hard to enforce the law, the co-authors wrote, adding what prosecutor would seek to imprison hospital executives or trucking companies for paying off criminals in order to save lives and transport food. Some potential solutions for decreasing ransomware attacks without banning payment include making it mandatory for businesses to report when paying a ransom, requiring greater transparency in cryptocurrency transactions, and promoting awareness of the help available from government authorities during an attack, the co-authors wrote. Ms. Wheeler is a Cyber Project Fellow at the Belfer Center for Science and International Affairs at Harvard University S. Kennedy School of Government. Mr. Martin is a professor of practice in the management of public organizations at Oxford University and former CEO of the National Cybersecurity Center. NBC News writes FBI, tracking more than 100 active ransomware groups. While some ransomware gangs have gone silent, many continue to operate, pointing to the challenge authorities face in cracking down on the problem. The FBI is tracking more than 100 active ransomware groups, an agency official said Tuesday. The figure, given by Brian Vondren, assistant director of the agency's cyber division, during a Senate Judiciary Committee hearing on ransomware, highlights the sizable problem that the United States faces in trying to mitigate the effects of ransomware gangs that attack American businesses, schools, and other organizations. Some ransomware gangs have gone quiet in recent months after conducting a major attack that caught worldwide attention. Darkside, the group that hacked Colonial Pipeline in May disappeared from the internet a few days later. Are evil one of the most prolific ransomware gangs to date, mysteriously went dark earlier this month after a sprawling attack that infected more than 1,500 organizations around the world. Those disappearances mean little compared to how vast the ransomware underworld is, said Brett Callow, an analyst at the cybersecurity firm Emsisoft. Seemingly new groups pop up all the time, he said. In some cases, they're affiliates of other operations. In some, they're rebrands. Historically, researchers have spotted more than 1,000 ransomware groups, Callow said, though most of those seem to have gone dark. In terms of serious, newly named groups, you probably get one or two per month, he said. Tracking the cybercriminals behind ransomware is a difficult task. The hackers who write and maintain ransomware software are often different from those who deploy it, with the two parties sharing the profits. Ransomware gangs are often identified by the names that the software's authors give them.
but membership gets muddy for law enforcement purposes, as a hacker who rents a famous type of ransomware for a particular attack might not have any kind of prior affiliation with the malware's designers. While many ransomware hackers are Russian, and the Biden administration has confronted the Kremlin in particular for not stopping such hackers, ransomware operations are often multinational endeavors, Warndren said in the hearing. While the developers may be Russia-based, the affiliates that deploy the ransomware may or may not be Russia-based, he said. Mapping out a comprehensive look at a given ransomware operation is particularly difficult, Vondren said, because the hackers behind them are often good at hiding their tracks. It's extremely challenging to gain attribution down to a keyboard or an actor behind a keyboard, he said. I would estimate about half of our cases don't have accurate attribution because of the complexity involved. Christian Science Monitor writes how a Texas city coped after debilitating ransomware hack. Cities in Texas were hit by Russian ransomware attacks before the United States fully acknowledged the cybersecurity threat. Here's how they mended the damage without paying millions of dollars to overseas criminals. It was a steamy Friday two Augusts ago when Jason Whistler settled in for a working breakfast at the Coffee Ranch restaurant in the Texas panhandle city of Borger, the most pressing agenda item for city officials like him that morning, planning for a country concert and anniversary event. Then Mr. Whistler's phone rang. Borger's computer system had been hacked. Workers were frozen out of files. Printers spewed out demands for money. Over the next several days, residents couldn't pay water bills. The government couldn't print checks. Police officers couldn't retrieve certain records. Across Texas, similar scenes played out in nearly two dozen communities hit by a cybertech officials linked to a Russia-based criminal syndicate. In 2019, ransomware had yet to emerge as one of the top challenges confronting the United States. But the attacks in Texas were a harbinger of the now-exploding threat and offer a case study in what happens behind the scenes when victims come under attack. Texas communities struggled for days with disruptions to government services as workers in small cities and towns endured cascading frustrations brought on by the cyberattack. According to thousands of pages of documents reviewed by the Associated Press and interviews with people involved in the response, the AP also learned new details about the attack scope and victims, including an Air Force base where access to a law enforcement database was affected and a city forced to operate its water supply system manually. Recent ransomware attacks have led to gasoline shortages and threatened meat supplies, but the Texas attacks, which unlike recent prominent cases, were resolved without a ransom payment, make clear ransomware need not hit vital infrastructure nor major corporations to interrupt daily life. It was just a scary feeling, said Mr. Whistler, Borger's emergency management coordinator. Early on August 16th, as most Texans were still asleep, hackers half a world away were burrowing into networks. As the attack's impact became apparent, the city manager of Vernon emailed colleagues that the city could get back online by paying a $2.5 million ransom. But that was obviously not the plan. Holy moly, came the reply. The culprits were affiliated with our evil. The Russia-linked syndicate that last string extorted $11 million from meat processor. JBS, and more recently was behind a 4th of July weekend attack that crippled businesses around the globe. The August 2019, hackers gained their foothold through an attack on TSM Consulting Services, a Texas firm that provides technology services to local governments. The attackers branched through screen-sharing software and remote administration to seize control of the networks of some of the company's clients. Within hours, state and federal officials were hunkered inside in underground operations, center normally used for calamities like hurricanes and floods. Governor Greg Abbott declared a cyber disaster, 
Texas National Guard cyber specialists were activated. Basically, if there's a municipal function that you would go down to a city hall for, or that you would rely on the police department for, it wasn't available, said Andy Bennett, the state's then deputy chief information security officer. In Borger, a city of fewer than 13,000, ransomware demands spat out of printers and flashed on some computer screens. Government files were encrypted, their titles replaced by gibberish combinations of letters and symbols, said city manager Garrett Spradling. Vital records like birth and death certificates were offline. Signs posted on a drive-up window outside City Hall said the city couldn't process water bill payments but that cutoffs would be delayed. Because the city had paid for remote off-site backup, Borger could reformat servers, reinstall the operating system and retrieve data. The police department, however, retained its data locally and officers were unable to access previous incident reports, Mr. Spradling said. Jeremy Sereno was working his civilian job at Dell when he was enlisted by the state to help a lieutenant colonel and senior cybersecurity officer with the Texas Military Department. Mr. Sereno helped deploy Texas National Guard troops to Hack City, S, where specialists worked to assess the damage, restore data from backed-up files, and retake control of locked systems. One of the first areas of concern was a small North Texas city. The attack locked the human-machine interface workers used to control the water supply forcing them to operate the system manually, Mr. Sereno said. Water purity was not endangered. That's what's considered critical infrastructure. When you talk about water, he said. AP is not identifying the city at the urging of state officials, who said doing so could draw new attacks on its water system. In Graham, the ransomware attacked a police server housing body camera videos, causing hundreds to be lost. Instead of using mobile data terminals to run checks on people they encountered, Officers had to rely on requests to dispatchers at a local sheriff's office unaffected by the attack, said Chief Brent Bullock. The impact wasn't limited to local governments. Shepard Air Force Base confirmed to AP that its access to a statewide law enforcement database used for background checks was temporarily disrupted. One complication, TSM's client list was encrypted, officials said. State officials didn't immediately know which communities had been victimized. They had to call around, said Nancy Reinishek. Texas Chief Information Security Officer, there was one place that we contacted and they said, no, no, we're not hit, she said. Days later, they said, yes, we were. Fortunately for Borger, most city services were restored within days. The city has since invested in additional cybersecurity protections. When you complain about having to change your passwords, you complain a lot more when it's never happened to you and you don't have anything to relate it to, Mr. Spradling said. You tend to complain a little less after you've had to answer the phone and tell 300 people they couldn't pay their water bill. Even now, Mr. Spradling said, officials will go to pull an old report or address record, only to find it isn't there. JD Super writes ransomware in Asia-Pacific, how to prepare? Ransomware attacks are on the rise in the Asia-Pacific region, amounting to one of the most significant operational risks faced by businesses in the region. The Asia Insurance Review reports that the worldwide costs of ransomware attacks are expected to exceed 20 billion US dollars in 2021, with Asia-Pacific region companies accounting for 7% of the total in 2020. Ransomware attacks can have severe impacts on the victim, the loss of use of systems, and data can be significant on its own. Adding to this is the risk of sensitive data being lost or misused, the costs of remediation, defending claims from impacted data subjects, and commercial partners as well as regulatory enforcement action and reputational impacts. In this briefing, we highlight the actions businesses should take so as to be best prepared for ransomware attacks.
Anatomy of a ransomware attack. Ransomware attacks typically involve the use of malware that infects systems in order to encrypt the victim's data and or disable access to impacted systems. The attacker will exploit vulnerabilities in the victim's cyber defenses, often relying on spear phishing attacks to obtain access credentials from unsuspecting employees. Once the victim's systems are infected with the malware, the attacker may exfiltrate data so as to set the stage for a ransom demand that includes a threat of disclosure of compromised data. In other cases, the software functions only as a locker that disables the victim's systems, but does not involve the exfiltration of data. With the stage set, the attacker then issues a ransom note, typically demanding payment in untraceable cryptocurrency in exchange for the keys that will unlock the impacted systems and data. The storm that follows. Depending on the threat actor's tactics, ransomware attacks may be accompanied by parallel maneuvers such as denial-of-service attacks, aimed at distracting and confusing the victim, not to mention stretching its technology resources. Some attackers operate blogs that announce the successful attack. Some threat actors will even publish samples of exfiltrated data, drawing publicity that can only raise the pressure on the victim as regulators, business partners, and potentially impacted data subjects raise questions and demand immediate answers. The victim organization is faced with extraordinary challenge in the hours that follow, seeking to identify the source of the infection, contain it, and restore service, while at the same time taking steps to prevent further infection and assess the impact in terms of systems and data compromised. The operational challenges of a malware attack can be crippling. The legal implications of a successful malware attack can also be wide and far-reaching. Regulated industries are faced with a need to notify authorities, typically on very short timeframes. To the extent that personal data has been compromised in the attack, consideration will also have to be given to making notifications to data protection authorities and impacted data subjects. With mandatory data breach notifications on the rise in the Asia-Pacific region, regulatory requirements on this front have increased significantly in recent years. Depending on the situation, the victim may also have contractual obligations to notify business partners and customers and may well be in breach of obligations to keep data confidential or provide service to contracted standards. Victims of ransomware attacks may suffer the loss of valuable proprietary information and data protected by intellectual property rights. Depending on the scale of the impact, publicly listed companies may be under a duty to make regulatory notifications and announcements. The foregoing considerations apply to many different types of successful cyber attacks. The unique feature of a ransomware ADA CK is the threat actor and its demand for payment. The legality of making payments to an extortionist needs to be assessed under applicable laws, with consideration given to whether or not the payment raises money laundering, sanctions, or terrorist finance issues, potentially with a need to notify or obtain approval of law enforcement officials prior to making payment. As lawmakers begin to react to the scourge of ransomware, we see specific legislation being brought into force. In June of this year, for example, a ransomware payments bill was introduced to the Australian Parliament. The bill proposes that businesses that have an annual turnover in excess of 10 million Australian dollars would be required to notify ransomware payments to the Australian Cybersecurity Centre, with the failure to do so attracting a civil penalty. What should you do? Preventative measures. In matters of cybersecurity, an ounce of prevention is always worth at least a pound of cure. Organizations are well advised to analyze their specific vulnerabilities carefully and take precautions that reduce the chance of a would-be extortionist succeeding with an attack. Many preventive measures are technical and operational in nature. Ensuring that appropriate security measures are in place, technology is secure and up-to-date, 
and monitoring tools are closely tracking system access and data usage. Organizations looking to prevent ransomware attacks have directed attention more broadly on data management programs, looking at how and where data is stored, which personnel have access to it, and how long data is retained, all of which can serve to reduce the number of soft spots available to the attacker and limit the scale or severity of harm if security is breached. Business continuity planning is also key, understanding the organization's critical points of failure and implementing failovers and recovery measures that keep business functions running during an attack. Cybersecurity training has taken on new dimensions with the threat of ransomware attacks, with many organizations simulating spear phishing attacks to test employee vigilance. Interactions with employees is often the weak link that threat actors exploit. Training and discipline around password usage and system access can significantly improve an organization's ability to repel a ransomware attack. Incident response planning. For all the preventive measures an organization may take, the sad reality of the matter is that a successful attack remains a strong likelihood for many. Incident response planning is therefore a key piece of the preparations. The best prepared organizations invest in detailed planning addressing a range of issues. Response team composition and roles it is critical to have a team organized in advance so that it is ready to be activated in the first moments of a ransomware attack. As is the case with cybersecurity incidents more generally ransomware response is a C. Ross disciplinary exercise involving a range of functional roles and expertise, including information security, information technology, legal compliance, and public relations corporate communications. From these functional competencies, the organization should draw a dedicated incident response team. This team's reporting lines and escalation paths to senior management should also be defined and documented. Response procedure, the specific response to ransomware incidents will vary significantly from case to case, but there are key tasks and actions that will apply in any event from root cause investigation and containment data and systems recovery, internal and external communications, and evaluating the need to make regulatory notifications. Having a game plan in place can only improve the company's position. The role of legal and compliance in incident response planning should not be underestimated. Much of the critical decision-making in responding to a ransomware attack will involve legal and regulatory considerations, not only in terms of legal obligations to make notifications to regulatory authorities, impacted data subjects, and others, but also in terms of considerations such as whether or not the organization should engage with the threat actor that has demanded payment. Legal involvement in the earliest stages of a ransomware attack can also help address considerations such as the application of legal privilege to forensic investigations and the early development of a litigation strategy where disputes with customers, suppliers, and other business partners may arise. General discussion of notification obligations and how they work. It can be very helpful for the incident response plan to outline the potential notification obligations that will need to be evaluated by an organization impacted by a ransomware attack. These will depend on the nature of the organization and the specific systems and data compromised, but there will be some obvious candidates. There may be specific industry regulators, data protection authorities, customers, business partners, and insurers who must be notified. Listed organizations will need to consider stock exchange filings, and law enforcement notifications are an important feature of ransomware attacks, given the threats of extortion involved. Template notifications and FAQs. Although specific notification requirements and corporate communications may vary significantly from incident to incident based on the circumstances of the attack, having generic templates that function as checklists can be helpful towards bringing structure and organization to the frenzied first hours following a ransomware attack. Post-incident actions, 
Organizations will typically face a number of critical actions following a ransomware attack, including attending to any post-incident litigation and regulatory investigations, continuing investigation work, and undertaking any remediation work needed to imp. Grove system security and data management practices going forward to prevent a recurrence of similar attacks. The incident response plan itself should be reviewed with areas for improvement noted based on its use in anger. The Daily Swig writes No More Ransom celebrates success in helping 600k people recover from ransomware attacks. No More Ransom has celebrated its fifth anniversary of helping victims to recover from ransomware attacks. The decryptors available in the No More Ransom repository have helped more than 600,000 people to recover their files without having to pay malware peddling criminals. The portal available in 37 languages offers 121 free tools capable of decrypting 151 ransomware families. The No More Ransom initiative was created by the National High Tech Crime Unit of the Dutch National Police, Europol's European Cybercrime Center, Kaspersky and McAfee, five years on. The project has brought together 170 partners from the public and private sectors internationally. Members of the initiative publish decryption tools on the website. These tools, which typically exploit weaknesses in malware encryption routines, help victims of specific ransomware families get their data back without paying. Backers of the scheme estimate it has deprived criminals of 900 million euros, US $1.06 billion. The Noma Ransom website has recently been revamped to mark the project's fifth birthday. Alongside decryption tools, the self-described new home of the crypto sheriff also offers advice on how to prevent a ransomware infection and instructions on how to report a cybercrime in a particular country. Elsewhere, the U.S. recently established Stop Ransomware, a similar initiative backed by the U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. The State of Security writes how network segmentation can protect supply chains from ransomware attacks. Organizations can take various steps to protect their operational technology, OT environments against digital threats, but some stand out more than others. In particular, network segmentation is described as the first answer to insufficient ICS, industrial control system, cybersecurity, experts advocate zoning ICS, assets to coordinate informational technology, IT, and OT environments effectively. That doesn't always happen, however. Indeed, the WannaCry and not Pattaya attacks decimated the OT site of the affected organizations, infrastructure partly because segmentation was not in place. Otherwise, the impact of the attacks could have been mitigated at least in some way. The state of supply chains, ransomware, and segmentation. Over the past year, organizations around the world have witnessed an untold proliferation of ransomware attacks across their supply chains. Illustrating this fact, a recent survey of hundreds of executives found that 36% of cyberattacks had disrupted supply chains significantly within the past three years, and in 2020, the greatest threat to organizations' supply chains behind COVID-19 was cyberattacks. Fortunately, network segmentation has proven helpful in mitigating common ransomware attacks, especially those arising from breached diet devices, third-party vendors, and the like. Part of this has to do with the main benefits of network segmentation. These include the following. Eliminates network congestion, resulting in overall improved performance. More so, it is harder to detect threats and fix vulnerabilities on a congested network. Improves intrusion control by making it easy to contain detected threats. Minimizes access to specific sensitive data and information by zoning them to a more secure network. Segmentation also helps in organizations in the recovery phase. By limiting the available attack surface, the impact of any attack becomes much lower. 
making it easier to recover or replace lost data. That stands in contrast to having to revamp a supply chain's entire cybersecurity infrastructure. Moving away from linear network security. Organizations can implement network segmentation on their supply chains through a virtual local area network, LAN firewalls, software-defined perimeter, SDP, and other micro-segmentation techniques. Not only that, but companies can build even more resilient supply chains by combining these with other features such as encryption and access control. The way in which they integrate these features together is important. Indeed, experts have been saying for years that organizations need to move away from a flat network approach. That's because perimeter security is great only until an attacker figures out how to breach the perimeter while remaining invisible the whole time. When that happens, the attacker moves stealthily across the network to attack assets and hold them for ransom. Network segmentation best practices. Supply chains have essentially become supply chain networks in that most organizations have jettisoned a linear supply structure for a complex system of production and distribution. Hence, there must be a security approach that addresses this current reality, and that is network segmentation. Organizations require a scalable security solution that protects their value networks using the following best practices. As IAP proliferates supply chains everywhere now, it uses secure by design devices. Indeed, security for IAT devices begins right from the PCB assembly stage. Uses firewalls to filter traffic between defined network segments. This limits and controls access to sensitive data. In the case of a breach of classified data, it is easier to identify and isolate the source. Uses micro-segmentation to implement the zero-trust principle of least privilege, which grants access to network resources per use basis. What makes this work, particularly with software-defined perimeter, SCP solutions, is that such segmentation is identity-based rather than device-based. It is also essential to be conscious of over-segmentation. Heavily isolating your networks can impact performance and impede the smooth flow of the supply chain. The goal must be to balance productivity and security in the supply chain. In essence, network segmentation must be strategic, never all in or all out. Reduces the number of endpoints that you must protect by integrating resources with similar properties into a single database. Your supply chain might be spread out widely, but you still need a central security strategy. Consider segmenting third-party vendors. There have been significant attacks to supply chains resulting from vendor mismanagement. Use the principle of least privilege to restrict vendors to only the resources they require to meet your needs. Conclusion In all the best practices discussed above, there is a caveat. Truly, network segmentation can minimize the impacts of attacks, but it is not a cure-all or a protect-all. Instead, it is just one of the preliminary steps to secure your supply chain infrastructure. Always remember that network segmentation is not just about security, it is also about control and visibility. The vaster the supply chain, the greater the control that should be implemented since even the tiniest breaches may have the mightiest impacts. Dark Reading Rights No More Ransom Initiative celebrates fifth year of fighting ransomware. Today Kaspersky announced that No More Ransom, the initiative started in 2016 by law enforcement and IT security companies to help victims of ransomware restore their files, turned five today. The anniversary is marked by more than $900 million of illegal profit prevented, and more than 6 million people downloading free encryption tools. Ransomware is a type of malicious software that blocks access to valuable user data, usually with the help of encryption, and allows perpetrators to demand a ransom from their targets in order to get back access to blocked information. In recent years, this type of malicious software has become extremely widespread, causing huge damage to private users and organizations worldwide.
In order to help people and organizations fight against ransomware, the National High Tech Crime Unit of the Dutch National Police, Europol's European Cybercrime Center Kaspersky, and McAfee agreed to jointly create a website back in 2016. Its goal was to help targets of ransomware attacks retrieve their encrypted data without having to pay the criminals. To that end, participants in the initiative would publish decryption tools on the website. These tools, once downloaded and launched, would allow victims of specific ransomware families to get their data back without paying any ransom. In addition to decryption tools, the website contains prevention advice and instructions on how to report a cybercrime in a particular country. Since its inception, the initiative has grown from four to over 170 partners, while 121 decryption tools are now available to users. These tools help in the battle against from 150 ransomware families and, over the last five years, around 6 million people downloaded the decryption tools. According to Nomar Ransom's experts, altogether participants in the initiative were able to prevent criminals from illegally making more than $900 million in profit. Kaspersky was and remains one of the founding partners who contributed to the initiative's original five decryption tools, which helped retrieve data encrypted by 32 ransomware families. Since 2016, these tools were downloaded more than 150,000 times. I'm extremely happy that since the start of the project we have been able to help so many people get their files back without paying, said Jorn van der Weyl, security researcher at Kaspersky Global Research and analysis team. We keep on fighting ransomware with our industry partners and law enforcement agencies from all over the world to help even more users and prevent further damage. To find information to help in the fight against ransomware or to learn more about the Noma Ransom Initiative, please visit the initiative's website at nomoransom.org. Security Week writes Cassia denies paying cybercriminals who launched ransomware attack. IT management software firm Cassia on Monday said it did not pay any money to cybercriminals, following speculation that it may have paid a ransom to obtain a decryptor that would allow customers hit by the recent ransomware attack to recover their files. In early July, cybercriminals exploited vulnerabilities in Cassia's VSA product to deliver ransomware to MSPs and their customers. The company estimated that between 800 and 1,500 organizations received the R-Evil ransomware, which encrypted files on compromised systems, and asked victims to pay a ransom to recover them. However, Cassia announced last week that it had obtained a universal decryptor from a trusted third party that would allow customers to recover their files without paying. Since the cybercriminals had also offered such a universal decryptor, initially for $70 million and later for $50 million, some speculated that Cassia may have paid the hackers for the decryptor. However, the company on Monday categorically denied giving any money to the attackers. Recent reports have suggested that our continued silence on whether Cassia paid the ransom may encourage additional ransomware attacks, but nothing could be further from our goal, Cassia said in a statement. It added, while each company must make its own decision on whether to pay the ransom, Cassia decided after consultation with experts to not negotiate with the criminals who perpetrated this attack, and we have not wavered from that commitment. As such, we are confirming in no uncertain terms that Cassia did not pay a ransom, either directly or indirectly through a third party, to obtain the decryptor, since the ransomware delivered through Cassia only encrypted. Files on compromised systems in past attacks the hackers also stole valuable information from victims, and in many cases the malware failed to delete backups. It appears that a majority of impacted organizations decided not to pay the ransom.
the Tor-based website used by the Our Evil ransomware gang to name victims and leak stolen data went down after the attack on Cassia, and it's still offline. Cassia has attempted to downplay the incident, which some have described as one of the worst ransomware attacks ever. The company may have been able to completely prevent the attack considering that it had known about at least some of the vulnerabilities exploited by the cybercriminals for months before the attack was launched. Even after the attack, it took the company more than a week to release patches, with impacted products being shut down while the fixes were being prepared. The record media writes New Heron ransomware gang emerges, borrows from Avadin and Thanos. Malware analysts from South Korean security firm S2W Labs have discovered a new ransomware operation that launched in the cybercrime ecosystem this month that heavily borrows from past ransomware operations, such as Thanos and the now defunct Avadin. Named Heron, the first samples linked to this gang have been spotted earlier this month. Just like the vast majority of ransomware operations today, the Heron gang goes after enterprise targets in order to maximize its profits, and also runs a leak site where it threatens to publish data stolen from companies who refuse to pay for decrypting their files. But while Heron uses the same tactics used by more advanced ransomware families, S2W researchers say that under the hood, Heron is more of an amateurish Frankenstein being built around code copied from other ransomware gangs. These similarities include using a leaked builder for the old Thanos ransomware to create the final Heron ransomware binary, the website where victims are told to go negotiate and pay the ransom. The payment site is nearly similar to the one run by the former Avadin gang. The leak site is also almost identical to Avadin's site. The Heron gang's ransom note contains large portions of text copy-pasted from the Avadin note. The Heron web server also contained icons and images that were previously found on the official Avadin site. All of these suggest that the Heron gang had direct access to some parts of Avadin's operation. However, it is unclear how this happened. It is unclear if the Heron gang purchased these items from the Avadin gang directly or if they hired one of Avadin's former members, most likely the person responsible for the gang's web-facing applications, such as Avadin's payment and leak sites. But as S2W researchers point out, while the Heron gang had incorporated Avadin's web-based systems into its operations, they did not have access to the Avadin ransomware source code. Written in C++, the original Avadin ransomware was an advanced ransomware strain, something superior to the C-sharp codebase of the Thanos strain, also used by the Prometheus ransomware group.